pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Prospect Podcast. I'm Chris Trapasso. What a fun and bizarre week one in the NFL. And it's supposed to be bizarre. It typically is. I think week one was even more crazy than it has been in recent memory. And what I'm going to talk about today are the young quarterbacks that made their debuts, whether it be rookies like Trevor Lawrence or those second season quarterbacks like Tua and Joe Burrow and certainly Justin Herbert. I wrote the article grading the NFL's next generation of quarterbacks up at CBSSports.com right now, but I'm going to dive a little bit deeper on that article in this podcast before giving just some general week one takeaways from watching uh, as much as I could leading into the recording of this podcast. I'm going to start with Trevor Lawrence's debut against the Houston Texans. It wasn't very good. It was borderline nightmarish. So I wrote in the headline, three interceptions just did not look comfortable really at all throughout, but he did have three touchdowns and threw for 322 yards. And I know that still we're at a point where people like to see that 300-yard threshold met. It was just a weird day for Trevor Lawrence in that when I said he didn't get comfortable, it was like easy throws that are routine that we saw him make for three seasons at Clemson just were not on point. Whether that was throws into the flat or stick routes over the middle in the void of a zone coverage. Not every single one was off target, but typically he is a, a very accurate and rhythmic passer. And I guess he never really got into a rhythm in this game. I gave him a D plus for his debut. The, the interceptions were ugly. They were there. One throw was late. One looked like a miscommunication with LaVisca Chenault. Um, another was just a bad decision. But we did see from Trevor Lawrence the big time throws. He, you know, there was certainly a lot of schemed opportunities for him, quick passes, easy throws that any quarterback could make. And those really don't factor into a grade. But there were some downfield strikes that were really nice. I was thinking about C minus, but with the three interceptions and the way that he threw those picks, that's what pushed his grade down to a D plus. It didn't help that Jacksonville's offensive line, which I went into the season saying was going to be a problem, 
got overmatched by a Houston Texans pass rush that's probably going to end up as a bottom fourth of the league pass rush by the end of the season. And I think Trevor Lawrence looked a little bit like he had that young quarterback shell shock, like he was catching the shotgun snap. The first indication at all, even if it was a tiny sign of pressure, he was vacating the pocket. And he was hurried. He was rushed. We know he's very experienced. He's extremely talented, of course, but he just never got comfortable and was worrying about the offensive line or the the offensive line's play and the pass rush instead of surveying the field. And DJ Shark had a good game. Marvin Jones had a good game. They got it. Um, LaVisca Chenault involved. That was good, but James O'Shaughnessy had a bunch of targets. I don't know if, I mean, I know he's one of their tight ends, but I don't really know if, if that's a good sign for your offense. If he's one of the top four, uh, target getters in your attack, just weird. Like the second throw of the game for Trevor Lawrence should have been an easy completion out route to DJ Chark. Low and outside, it was incomplete. Like, quarterbacks have those throws. Like, every single quarterback has a few throws every game where you're like, oh, that was just a blatant miss. But second throw of the game, clean pocket, it almost foreshadowed what was to come for Trevor Lawrence in this game. And it wasn't just one or two or maybe three throws. It was five or six throws where it's like, all right, he's open. And he just was not accurate. The ball placement was not there. And that was really not an issue at Clemson. I thought at times he was over-aggressive at Clemson. And that's what led to the interceptions. But it was not really the case against Houston Texans. It was more just missing receivers and not having the right ball placement. And there were some completions that could have been bigger completions had he led the receiver in stride or he threw a receiver into coverage. I think that will improve as the season progresses. But, man, for someone as talented with the arm strength, the arm talent that Trevor Lawrence has, the experience reading coverages, you would like to not have him get into an offense where everything needs to be schemed open and everything's a play-action rollout, throw into the flat, or a bubble screen, or a quick drag route, or an RPO slant over the middle. You want him to be able to stretch the field. That brings me to my next quarterback, Jalen Hurts, kind of on the other end of the spectrum. On the surface, Jalen Hurts had a fantastic game, and and Eagles fans rightfully can be very happy with what they saw from the offense in general and from their second-year quarterback in Jalen Hurts. 27 of 35, 264 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. And he ran for 62 yards as well, but... It wasn't a game loaded with a bunch of like difficult throws. I think Nick Sirianni, the first-year head coach, young head coach, did a fantastic job devising this game plan. In the best throws category in this article at CBSSports.com, I have one throw. He had an 18-yard touchdown to Devontae Smith. It was well-placed. It was kind of a scissors concept from the slot for Devontae Smith. It needed to be up and over the trailing cornerback, and it was. Beyond that, tunnel screen, bubble screen, slant, RPO, screen to a running back, swing pass. It was all schemed open plays and schemed production, which for Jalen Hurts, someone that I thought needed to have 
a lot more development as a passer. It's good that he's understanding where he needs to go with the football and he needs to get it out in a hurry. That was good. I mean, he did face a pretty uh, a bottom tier pass rush and the Eagles offensive line, I think is actually still pretty good. But in terms of wild throws or Jalen Hurts making a ton of individual plays that were outstanding, I just didn't see it in this game. And from a clean pocket in the second quarter, Zach Ertz was completely uncovered down the sideline, down the right sideline. I mean, it's a tight end, but it maybe could have been a touchdown. And Jalen Hurts underthrew him by about two yards, and Zach Ertz had to stop his momentum, slam on the brakes, dive back to the football. It was still like a 30-something yard gain, but those are the throws that he needs to just get a little better on and improve that ball placement, the rhythm, and the timing to turn that into a bigger gain. And they would have been over 300 yards passing most likely. So Jalen Hurts was good production-wise, but I only gave him a B for week one because I just thought, okay, it was good. It was solid. It was like an 85. He operated the game plan very well against a bottom-tier team and a bottom-tier pass rush, defense, secondary, everything. But in terms of individual play, I thought his his scrambling was very good. There were uh, On that final drive before the end of the half, there were two plays in a row, I believe, where Jalen Hurts like eluded pressure and scrambled for a big gain. Like that is part of his game. That's an element that he brings to the field that will help him as he tries to mature to buy him time to mature as a passer. Jalen Hurts B for his week one win over the Atlanta Falcons. Trevor Lawrence D plus for the loss in Houston to the Texans. Now another similar style game plan to what Jalen Hurts had was Mac Jones. In Miami, losing by a point to the Miami Dolphins. Kind of a weird game, defensive struggle, both quarterbacks, and I'll get to Tua after this, didn't do a ton. They were not asked to be the guy, and it's totally understandable. Mac Jones, his first NFL start, one and a half years or so, one and a third years of starting experience at Alabama, came in for Tua Tungavailoa after the injury two years ago, full starter last year. Of course, wins the national title, was ridiculously productive with the Crimson Tide. There were a couple good throws, like a seam throw uh, to Nelson Aguilar right before the end of the half. It had to be up and over the linebackers, but in front of the safety it was. Uh, He found Nelson Aguilar kind of in tight, running a jerk route for a touchdown. It, It wasn't like the craziest throw, but he did see a blitzer right in his face and was not afraid, didn't fade away from the throw, didn't lose his focus. And the best throw for Mac Jones in the game was really nice touch on a wheel route to James White in the third quarter. And in terms of worst throws, I I didn't really see a lot. He didn't take any sacks. He got the football out very quickly. This was like traditional Josh McDaniels passing offense. Of course, without Cam Newton there, there wasn't a lot of quarterback power like we saw last year. And Jared Stidham just could not run the offense whatsoever. It was running wide receivers vertical to free up underneath space in the flat on drag routes, checking the football down. The running backs, the tight ends were featured prominently to move the chains, meticulously work the football down the field. And that's really what Mac Jones did. However, there was a throw that could have changed the outcome of this game. Very late, down by a point, I think right before the fumble, that essentially clinched it for the Dolphins. 
Mac Jones got called on a play action rollout to the right. And Jacoby Myers was open. It was like a third and four. Should have hit him in stride. He was open. The throw was low and away. Fell incomplete. The balls turned over a few plays later. The Dolphins ultimately win. And I think that was kind of a microcosm of the concern with Mac Jones. He's not like a complete statue in the pocket, but he's not someone that you want to rely on on a consistent basis throwing on the run, even if it is designed and certainly not when it is him having to improvise and run away from a defensive end or a linebacker or a blitzing safety. But overall, Mac Jones operated the game plan very soundly. Again, no, took no sacks, threw the football away a few, on a few instances, but not really many difficult throws, but not really any bad throws either besides that one late in crunch time. So I gave Mac Jones a B for what he did against the Miami Dolphins in week one. And then Tua, other side of the field, Kind of a similar game plan. We did see a lot more run pass option from Tua Tungavailoa in this game. That's really how he got into a rhythm early in his career at Alabama. And his release, I thought, was very impressive. It was show the ball to the running back, pull it, and let it go. It was very quick. The ball jumped out of his hand on those underneath throws with a lot more velocity than I saw last season. I think he's obviously a more confident quarterback this year getting the nine games of starting experience in 2020 and then having this full offseason as the unquestioned starter. Although there was certainly some time where people thought they were going to trade, the Dolphins were going to trade for Deshaun Watson or whatever. There were a couple good throws from Tua though in this game. They're not a bunch, a, a similar game plan with some RPOs mixed in to what the Patriots had for Mac Jones. Quick throws, let your receivers make some yards after the catch. There was a throw early in the game from inside the pocket. It was ultimately dropped by tight end Mike Kosicki, who strangely did not have a catch in this game. In breaking route to Mike Kosicki at the intermediate level, that was right in his hands, in the tight end's hands, should have been caught. Tua got hit on that play too. Perfect throw, but it was dropped. The back shoulder fade to Jalen Waddell, with like three minutes to go in the half, 39-yard gain was gorgeous. He allowed Jalen Waddell to elevate for the football. You know, I think with Jalen Waddell, that you know you can throw it up to him, even though he is 5'11". Placement was very good. And there was a nice over-the-top play to Devontae Parker in the third quarter from Tua Tungavailoa. Kind of a back shoulder throw, but another one where I think Tua understood, hey, this is a, a rebounding type wide receiver in Devontae Parker. Went for a 30-yard gain. It was a good placement. Now, there were two decisions and throws that were egregiously bad from Tua in this game. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, 
thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. He was flush to his right, which is obviously not where Tua wants to go, being a lefty. He's in the second quarter. And he really floated a football across his body. Should have been intercepted, but it was dropped. So he gets away with that one. And then right before the half, he had Albert Wilson down the sideline. If the throw was made with the proper timing, like right as Albert Wilson got even with the cornerback and it was led out in front of him, it's a touchdown. Instead, Tua takes an extra second to pull the trigger, throws it a little bit behind Albert Wilson. The ball hits off the Patriot cornerback's helmet. And even if it had been in stride, it would have been out of bounds, out of the back of the end zone. The other really egregious mistake was in the fourth quarter, this weird kind of awkward improvisation away from pressure where he like reversed his field, cut against the grain, actually made a defender miss, and then just I think got a little overzealous and threw the football up, bounced around a bunch or within a bunch of Dolphins and Patriots, was intercepted by Jonathan Jones. Just can't make those two really bad decisions especially after you've improvised. If you've improvised, you've got out of the way of the sack, throw the football away, unless you find someone wide open, then pull the trigger. And that's just, again, I don't think that will ever be a strength of Tua Tungavailoa's game. That's the biggest concern, or one of the biggest concerns I have with him. Maybe he'll be super precise, uh, pocket passer, but with the Dolphins offensive line that is still not very good, he doesn't really have that creativity and the arm talent and the athletic prowess to be that improvisational quarterback out of structure. But I gave him a B minus because those two bad decisions were almost counteracted by the three nice throws that he had down the field. But again, this was majority of what Tua Tungavailoa did uh, was really just checking the football down and operating a very almost Alabama-esque screen and quick strike offense. I gave him a B minus for the win over the New England Patriots. I just thought those two picks or two should have been picks. One was intercepted. One was dropped, brought his grade a little bit lower than Jalen Hurts and a little lower than Mac Jones. Now to the number one overall pick in the 2020 draft, Joe Burrow. Man, this was a solid effort from a guy that people thought during the preseason like might not be able to throw a football again or, or have the confidence to stand in the pocket. He looked very in rhythm, very in control of Zach Taylor's offense. Late in the second, there was a great throw on an out route to Tyler Boyd. It was in very tight coverage. It, it was needed to be to, toward the outside, toward the sideline with the right rhythm, and it was. The timing was perfect. The placement was even better. And his 50-yard touchdown throw to Jamar Chase with under a minute to go in the half was perfectly placed over the rookie receiver's shoulder. It was in stride. It looked like LSU all over again. 
So those are two really good throws. But similar, and this is kind of the theme of this episode and the theme of what I saw from these first and second year quarterbacks in week one, not a ton of difficult throws from Joe Burrow. It was actually pretty similar to what Tua Tungavailoa had in terms of a game plan. A lot of RPOs, a lot of play action, slants over the middle. He utilized the middle of the field very well, and that's a good sign. Because quarterbacks that are confident aren't aren't afraid to throw over the middle. He used Tyler Boyd, certainly T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, his whole collection of wide receivers over the middle on in-breaking routes. There was a, you know, those typical throws that I think are, are easy to miss when you're not watching a certain team, when you're only watching your team, but you're not watching, say, the Cincinnati Bengals. There was a high and wide throw on an easy pass into the flat. Second uh, throw of the game from Joe Burrow that was a little bit like, uh uh-oh, is is the accuracy going to be there? And then early in the third, Michael Thomas was wide open, and that's the other Michael Thomas, of course, the Southern Miss Michael Thomas. Bootleg rollout, eerily similar to what happened with Mac Jones, but instead of into the flat, it was a throw on a deep over. Michael Thomas was wide open. It would have been a touchdown, but it was low and outside, and it fell incomplete. But... Really, this game was all about Joe Burrow and the cerebral side of the game for him. He didn't seem panicked inside the pocket. He did take a couple sacks, but he limited his mistakes, took what the uh, Vikings defense gave him, and they got a very good effort on the ground from Joe Mixon. That certainly helped in this overtime win. But I was happy for Joe Burrow that he didn't look antsy. He looked like he was pointed in the right direction of having that ultra confidence that he had in 2019 with LSU. I gave him a B plus those two throws that were a little high and wide and high and, or one was high and wide. One was a little bit low and outside. That was really it. Everything else was on target in rhythm. Just not a lot of difficult throws. Joe Burrow gets a B plus in this game. Now to Zach Wilson, before I end with Justin Herbert early in the game was kind of ugly. And that was shown on the scoreboard, but late in the game, I really liked what I saw from Zach Wilson. Now, maybe the Panthers being up a couple of scores, playing a little bit softer, keeping everything in front of them. Uh, Although the pass rush was really able to pin its ears back at that point. I liked what I saw from him. But however, early in the second quarter, Wilson threw a really good deep over route to Corey Davis. The safety was flying downhill. He fitted in there. It needed to have a little bit of air under it, but not too much so the safety could make a play. It was a good throw early in the first half from Zach Wilson. And then in the third quarter off play action, he found Corey Davis very well-timed in breaking route for 20 yards. The window was not very tight. It was a small passing lane. And I like that he looked elusive and looked that natural playmaker when there was um, defenders in his face. There was a couple times Brian Burns just completely undressed the right tackle and Zach Wilson got away from him. And that's just in and of itself amazing because Brian Burns is a physical freak and he's crazy long. Then late in the fourth quarter, there was a good throw to Braxton Berrios over the middle. And then the 40 yard gain to Denzel Mims. Uh, He stepped up into the pocket and released the football. Didn't have to set his feet. It was kind of like a shortstop flicking the ball across the diamond. 40 yards in stride to Denzel Mims down the left sideline. There was that little miss on one of those plays where he eluded Brian Burns. It was a little bit high, but it needed to be up and over a corner deep down the field. 
I didn't hate it. I didn't put it in his best throws or his worst throws. But again, I liked that side of it, that he was able to escape and he wasn't afraid and he wasn't shrinking inside the pocket. And really, his he really only had one bad throw in this game. He attempted a seam throw and Shaq Thompson just made a really good play. It needed to have a little bit more air under it. But Zach Wilson just, I think, well, that was kind of a wake, uh, welcome to the NFL or a wake-up call that linebackers are not only really athletic but they can or fast and rangy, but they can jump and catch a football if you don't put enough air under it down the seam. The problem and why I, I did give him a C-plus in this game, for as much as I just raved about his creativity and improvisation, ad-libbing, he's going to have to find a happy medium because there were some times where there were some easy throws or he should have thrown the football away, tried to get crazy inside the pocket escaping, and he took sacks. He had one fumble, uh, took six sacks in this game. That's, I mean, I, I'm watching all of their dropbacks. I'm writing subcategories, best throws and worst throws, but I'm obviously watching all of their plays. So if you have a 110-yard rushing game, that's going to factor into your grade throughout this series. And if you take six sacks, I thought probably three or four of them were due to just Zach Wilson holding onto the football too long and trying to do too much. That's why Zach Wilson gets AC+. But if you're a Jets fan, you like that he kind of fits that mold of today's elite quarterbacks that can really make plays outside of structure. And he showed it out of the gate against a Panthers pass rush that really had its way with the Jets offensive line. That's a little concerning. C-plus for Zach Wilson was trending toward somewhere in the D range just because of the pocket presence, but came on strong late in that game. That's why he gets a C plus. And I'm ending this podcast with Justin Herbert. And if you saw this on Twitter, uh, I teased it yesterday with the fact that Justin Herbert was a completely different viewing experience from any of these other quarterbacks. A litany of intermediate and downfield strikes that were just not in the game plans for these other quarterbacks, or those other quarterbacks were just unwilling to make those throws. I mean, I, I could have an hour and 20-minute podcast on just the, or I could stretch this podcast out that long, running through all of the throws that I was like, wow, from Justin Herbert. Uh, there was a cover two sideline hole shot to Mike Williams, 18-yard gain early on. Uh, there was a Keenan Allen outbreaking route with two defenders close. It needed to be high and away, and it was. Uh, in the second half, uh, he found Josh Palmer down the sideline, 17-yard gain. Th there were just so many of these. There was eight or nine throws that were 10 to 30 yards down the field that were either under pressure or through a tight window or in need of a ton of velocity. And Justin Herbert made those throws. Now, there were a couple bad throws too. There was a time where uh, Jared Cook was wide open over the middle. And there may have been someone clogging the passing lane, but Justin Herbert hesitated. And I'm not sure why, because he has not been uh, timid whatsoever. Like he's sees an open receiver and he gets it out. He threw it high and away. Could have been a big gain down the seam. In the first quarter, there was just a drag route. I don't think Justin Herbert read that there was it was zone coverage, maybe misread that a little bit, threw it to Jalen Guyton, who got smacked the second the ball arrived, fell incomplete. 
took a big hit. It was kind of one of those hospital balls. And there was a deep flag route to Steven Anderson, the journeyman tight end from Cal. I remember scouting him. William Jackson intercepted it. It was right near the front pylon. A little, it was a high degree of difficulty throw, but it missed by about a yard or two high and outside. And that led to an interception. That was a big interception in a crucial spot. But overall, the Chargers should be very happy with not only their offensive line that was tremendous, Rashawn Slater. Check out my TikTok on Rashawn Slater against Chase Young, how good that rookie left tackle was. But dealing with pressure and dealing with difficult throws through pretty good coverage from the Washington football team, one of the better, um, I don't know about better secondaries, but more underrated secondaries in the NFL. And that just with Justin Herbert, you don't have to scheme open yards after the catch with screens and dump offs and check downs and throws into the flat and play action bootlegs. He can hang in and make those difficult throws that are that turn into splash plays that are when there is very good coverage. So I gave Justin Herbert an A minus. He leads the way for first and second year quarterbacks in this grading series that will run every single Monday at cbssports.com. You know me, I have a system that I mean I'm giving grades I'm giving letter grades old school, but I have a system that will obviously continue to accumulate these grades throughout the season. 2019 when I did this, Lamar Jackson, of course, when he won the MVP, came out with the highest grade. I think Josh Allen was right behind him. Actually, I know Josh Allen was right behind him. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see. And we maybe we'll see Jordan Love eventually play. Probably not. I almost included him, but he only threw the football, I believe, seven times. Uh, it'll be quarterbacks that aren't just playing in like mop-up duty at the end of the game. So Justin Herbert with the highest grade, A minus, Mac Jones, B, Joe Burrow, B plus, Tua Vailoa, B minus, Jalen Hurts, B, Zach Wilson, C plus for a couple of bad decisions, let's say, or overextensions of the play inside the pocket. And then Trevor Lawrence, three touchdowns over 300 yards but three picks and a bunch of misses kind of shows that you can't always just go on touchdowns and, and yardage accumulation. You got to watch all the throws. Trevor Lawrence with the lowest grade, bringing up the rear at D plus. All right, that'll do it for me today. Thank you so much for listening to the Prospect Podcast.